Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Therese Crow, novelist and speaker. We have another installment of Editors Uncensored for you today. And if you've been listening to the show, then you will know this is when we let editors speak their minds. And so we've got um, a submission from a, from a single editor today. This editor submitted a couple of things that all kind of fit together in one package. And so we're going to be unpacking that for you and talking about this editor's perspective on the publishing process. So let's dive into the conversation that Carice and I had on this particular editor's comments. All right, so the next one, and this came from, this all came from a single editor, the thing that they wanted to communicate was that they want authors to take a wide than narrow than wide approach to book publishing Hmm. and they see that happening with content craft and crowd so this this editor is like really good all right let's break that down got their stuff figured out okay so for content they said everything has to be analyzed by me the editor for how to improve, clarify, and broaden the message for the audience. This means if I'm not someone who'd buy the book for myself, my family, or my friends, then I will need help to prove that there is an audience for this book that exists, that the audience is eager, and that the audience can be reached. Mm. Um, My personal preferences, of course, will play a vital role, but serving the reader is primary. So basically it boils down to show me that you have researched the huge potential for this book, and that you've targeted your approach. So that's the whole like widen, narrow, widen, where it's like, let's look at the big audience for this. Right. Let's also bring a targeted approach mm-hmm. so that we can maximize returns. Right. Um, and this was interesting to me because I think sometimes in writing proposals, it's easy to just kind of gloss over the audience section of a proposal mm-hmm. and to assume well, it's obvious, you know, romance readers are going to be this age, this demographic, mm-hmm. people looking for uh, relationship advice is they're going to look like this or that. And what I'm hearing this editor say is how much they appreciate it when a proposal goes above and beyond to drill down deeper into those categories and really identify Right. Some unique markets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of reminds me of like YA fiction, how at its face, you assume it's all read by teenagers. Yep. But really, (laughs) it's read by middle-aged wives. Like, yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, estimates vary. Sometimes people say, well, it's about 30%. And then other times they'll say it's about 80%. And I think it really depends on the specific series, mm-hmm. but absolutely a huge chunk of your YA readership is double the age of your 16-year-old protagonist, for sure. And that's such powerful information to have. Right. When you are the author pitching your book to know if your readership is going to be the teenager or if they're going to be the right. more adult person. Well, and even when you're writing it, 
you need to understand that information because that's going to affect how you write the story, what kind of prose you put in. I I always advise writers to stay away from slang as much as possible because it's like, it's cool this year and it might be in style next year, but Mm -hmm. five years from now, nobody's going to be saying those words. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those like temptation points for YA authors to throw in as much of that as they can, like it's a hook when it's, it's really not. And it's a turnoff for that older part of your YA readership, because that's not part of their daily vernacular. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it tells them, okay, this book is not written for me. Yep. Points to that importance of researching your reader and knowing who they are and how they live and how they communicate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the next point that this editor made about was craft. They said, there's no substitute for mastery. If your personal style and personality aren't coming through, you're not there yet. Keep going, keep trying, keep learning. To become a name author, which is someone who sells books, <laughs> you've got to be bold, which I love that. I love that, that like jab, that like right. people who aren't name, name authors, they don't, their books don't sell. Right. Oh, it's such a harsh reminder um, to become a name author. You've got to be bold and assertive, not quote unquote impressive, which is fool's gold. Quit trying to sound smart or prove things you haven't mastered and let your time investment in this idea speak for itself. I love that. So quit trying so hard, but at the same time, so again, it's the wide, narrow, wide, like. Right. Like stop trying so hard to be a blend of your favorite three authors and find Mm -hmm. your own voice because that Mm -hmm. you're always going to be able to write in and you can tell. I mean, we've both done critiques. You can tell when you're reading someone's sample and they essentially went to thesaurus.com to look up a better word Mm -hmm. for the word that was originally there because it just doesn't fit with the rest of it. Right. As opposed to actual mastery, like I'm reading a YA fantasy series right now and it's obvious that the author knows the subtle differences in especially some of like the the objects she describes or the actual terms for different parts of a castle let's say she's Mm -hmm. really familiar with that and she's not going through her descriptive flowery language and making it you know ten dollar words left right and center just because it's accessible and she could right there's something to be said for when you have found your voice and then when you dig in and really get it right because even just discovering your voice is not enough it's like right there's more to it than just oh I know how to tell a story in my own words I think you kind of have to in my opinion you kind of have to start with wherever you're at currently and then take that and apply all of the professional correct grammatical This is what polished writing looks like. You need to, you can start out not knowing or understanding the rules and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but you have to progress to learning the rules Mm -hmm. because that's the only way you're going to successfully break the rules. You can't successfully break the rules if you don't even know what they are. And I've heard from writers who have been frustrated that they have been in the writing world for 15, 20 years and they are still not published, but they won't consider an editor. They won't consider taking advice in a critique. They won't consider even trying to change their writing or making it 
fit what you would typically expect their genre to look like because they say that it dampens your own voice. Well, yes and no. Just because something is completely natural to you does not mean that it's good for you. Doesn't mean that it strengthens your writing. You and I both know like you can spot someone who has it and someone who doesn't. And it's hard to explain why. It's hard to like put into words why this one passage is so much better than than this other passage and it boils down to voice. Right. But it's just one of those things that when someone has it, you know it and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whether they have the the punctuation in the right place or not, whether they, you know, like you just know. Well, and that's, yeah. And that's part of it. You can't, if you start out with going wild with things like punctuation and your sentence structure and without knowing how it should be, mm-hmm. it just, it reads as messy and unprofessional. When you know how to do it in a way that intentionally breaks the rules, that's part of your voice. A voice is one of those things that has to start authentic and then just be continuously yeah, broken and mended with gold and broken again and mended with gold. And I'll give this example before we move on to the last. I'm working with a professional athlete and he is writing his own book. Mm -hmm. He does not know. It's just, it's, well, I should remind, it's been fascinating because he works, well, he works in professional wrestling. All right. So he, he tells a story for a living. Mm-hmm. with his character when he has when he's got the microphone when he's on TV. Right. He has been able to translate that to the page so well. Like when I read it, it's like he's talking on the television. It's like right. he's in the room telling me the story. There's just no there's no difference. It's not like it's he he is on the page. Every bit of his personality and the way that he talks is on the page. Right. He needs some guidance and help in terms of structure and and how to carry thoughts through and connect things yes but it's just one of those examples of man this person they have their they've found their voice right and now let's work with them well and I mean how many years has he been in the business of storytelling as a wrestler you know that is something that is scripted Mm -hmm. but those characters are theirs you know so yeah he's he's lived as that character so much yeah that he just he knows how to be the character he just may not necessarily know the best way or the most readable way right to lay out that information right and so you're right he's been honing his craft for the past decade or more right unknowingly so this third thing which is in like this trio of things that this editor feels all fit together um, is about crowd. And they said, I'm in sales, you're in sales. We play different roles, but we're both selling the book. They go on to explain how they try to sell the book to their team. The team tries to sell the book to readers. And of course the author is trying to sell the book to the publisher, to the reader, to everyone. Like everyone's in the role of sales here. So they said, it goes back to refining the message, honing the mastery, yes. But then streamlining what your goals are as an author, how you want the book to benefit people, which will allow everyone to sell it to the most people possible. Mm. So to recap everything, I feel like they're saying, figure out who your audience is, target your book to fit your audience, hone your craft, 
make sure you've got your author voice figured out, and then go back to recognizing we're all in the sales business. Mm -hmm. And marketing then is a matter of figuring out how to match this perfectly crafted product to that audience that you have designated right. as the target. Right. Um, it's interesting to me because they've, in working with this editor, I know there's stress on sales numbers and performance of a book. And it's like, they're, they're reiterating that here. Like we want to get all these components right. And that will all they all work together to help sell the book. And I know for a lot of authors, the whole like, now we have to sell the book is like kind of the part that's scary that authors want to pretend that phase doesn't really exist. <laughs> I should rephrase that. Right. Well, no, but that that is accurate to some degree. They want to, I, I feel like they want to skip that part. Like, Right. Like almost like, and I get it. Cause as, as a writer, you don't want your job to be to sell your book. You're not a salesperson. That's not, that wasn't That's not what you were initially signed up for. Right. That's not why you started putting pen to paper. Right. right. You just want to tell stories, help people get, get your words on the page, mm-hmm. do your art, do your craft, collect your royalties, and then move on to the next project where you get to write more. Like right. you don't want to then spend the next year hustling and schlepping your book strategies yeah it's also not just your book that you're selling it's also you these days yeah I mean there was a time when it was essentially just your book that you're selling and your quality of writing uh but not anymore you do have to either sell yourself essentially to Mm -hmm. people sell people on the idea of you or at least sell them on you know, kind of a fantasy version of you because mm-hmm. nobody, I don't think too many authors really, really put their entire selves out to their readers the way no. that they would, the people who are closest to them no. in their real lives. So that's terrifying too. It's yeah. not just your writing. It's also you. And this editor is bringing us back to center saying like the goal is so that the publisher will want to do your next book and yes. your next book. And your next book. And to get there, you have to know your audience. You have to hone your craft. And then you've got to figure out how to sell to that audience. And that's the, like the secret sauce. Like if you're, if anyone's looking for how to make it as an author, that's it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gate Crashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. You can send a tip via PayPal. Simply use our link paypal.me slash gatecrashers or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.